This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife, her sister, and the original wife's husband get each other the best books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, Mick read Moon Shimmers, Michelle read Harvest Song, and I read Blood Bonds, all by Yasmin Gallinorn. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrific book exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. I'm Susan Dickinson. And I'm Michelle Johnson. Recording remotely because Audacity, notoriously reliable Audacity, had one of its uh, very rare hiccups and technical difficulties. So we're doing it the old-fashioned way, namely by putting a microphone next to a speaker. But we are recording the much-anticipated finale to our Otherworld special. These are the last three books in the Otherworld series. It is the end of an era. Michelle, what would you like to put? Maybe we'll save the, the full discussion for the end, but just as a tease, what might be like Otherworld's, uh, what, go, what goes on Otherworld's tombstone? Um, I think, I think it's just like so much happened most yeah. of the time. <laughs> That, that seems to be a, a, a plausible summary, because as we'll get to the end, if, if you guys would indulge me in a little bit of a retrospective, I think Otherworld has earned a retrospective, because as we were discussing uh, before the show, then on the first try of the show, Susan, you, you reckoned with some dates here. I did. I thought back earlier tonight and realized that I read my first Bibli... No, not my first Biblio book. Well, my yes. first Otherworld book in 2015. That's pre-marriage. I think if you, yeah, I think if you look at the calendar, that was ten thousand years ago. I also (laughs) think so, especially because the month of March was at least two thousand of those years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in two thousand fifteen, Michelle, you had just gotten married. We were not married yet. We were engaged, but not yet married. I was in grad school. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, Neither of us had dogs or houses or any of the things. Any of the things. And the world was very different. Uh, We recorded the first Otherworld episode in a walk-in closet uh, with the world's worst microphone. And I regret that the good microphone and the walk-in closet never met because that would have been nearly studio quality. Though we did figure out why people pay engineers tonight with audio difficulties. Anyway, this only reminds me that uh, Bibliovile has been going on for five years as well. Which is just sort of like a wolf. Well, I mean, take out our our recesses. But Sue and I did some re-listening to uh, other other world episodes. uh, The old other world episodes. And let me just uh, tell you guys as listeners, Michelle, if you didn't. Uh, it has been a journey of uh, a lot to handle, a lot to remember. We were listening to old episodes and there were plot lines and characters that were referenced that I had completely forgotten about, which makes sense <laughs> when you think about the sheer volume of characters in these books. I would be like, oh, there was a, a guy named Digger who worked at the bar. He's not he- a wear badger. Yeah, he's not a wear badger. But Derek is a wear badger. <laughs> yeah, and works at Jimmy John's. Uh, posted with the episode here is a, a listing of the other episodes for Otherworld if you want to get a head start on it. 
or if you want to just hop in, if this is your first Otherworld episode, let me just commend you on jumping in with both feet because I have a, I have a feeling it's going to be a ride here. All right, Mick, let's take it away. Tell us about Moon Shimmers. Moon Shimmers. The last of the cami books. The last. Sort of. Of the cami books. I'll get to of. it. Okay. I'll get to it. Well, tease, just like, well, actually, no, I was going to say just like Cammy, but Cammy is quite the not tease. Uh, uh, Camille de Artigo, the sex witch uh, of, of Otherworld fame, I suppose, is back in Moon Shimmer. Uh, I, every single time I look back at my Otherworld notes, it always starts with the same, after like the first two sessions, it always starts with the same note. Ah, it's so good to be back in Otherworld. <laughs> uh it is, it is a little bit of a downer that I will not get the chance to return in the, in the same way to Otherworld. I don't think we discard Miss Galnorn forever, uh, but Otherworld is coming to an end. Uh, we start the book off in media res, as they say, chasing the ghost of a troll. And it's like that that's our in media res was just like sinking into a nice hot tub. Like, ah. I'm yeah, back. that sounds that sounds like the opening scene of an Otherworld book. Yeah, it just knew uh, what it was going to be. This this ghost chase is being they find the ghost because this is never resolved in my book. But like some stupid teenagers are playing with a Ouija board on top of the Seattle troll, which is like a tourist uh, destination, uh, and they accidentally like kick out the ghost of a troll who had made the Seattle troll mostly by coincidence. It's implied. Uh, it's like home. It just wanted to be left alone, but the Ouija board seems to kick it out. So they have to go chasing it down. They chase it into the wedding of the notorious, like Fay haters club. Oh no. Um, and it's oh, a midnight no. wedding for reasons, uh, so that a ghost of a troll can, can come clomping on by. This plot point is quickly abandoned that it's, it's, I thought the plot of the book was going to be very like normal FBH humans versus the, the Earthside Fae and that there was going to be like some showdown with, you know, politics in the city of Seattle or whatnot. It's not. They, they stop the troll and go home and then the rest of the book happens instead. Um, so this book once again is the, the trend of Cami books has been like this. It is very much just a journey book. It's like a, a basically The Hobbit, uh, where there's a goal at the end, and they're most of the time I think past like thirty three percent, just sort of walking there and facing travails along the way, and then it cuts off on their way back, uh, just like The Hobbit I believe does. Right, you don't get to watch them walk back in The mm -hmm. Hobbit. It's been a while since I read that one. Uh, but they found the last spirit seal. So the seven spirit seals, nice and alliterative. Uh, they have six of them and now they know where the seventh one is. It's underwater being protected, being hoarded. I don't know which by an elder fay, which is just sort of hanging out in the waters in Puget Sound, uh, in a shipwreck. That's really convenient that of all the places it could be in on Earth or in Otherworld, it just conveniently happens to be close to Seattle. That does bring up a question that maybe we should save for the end reflection. But like, is all of this sort of stuff happening around the world? Like, Tannabom is the only person I know of from Earthside that's from a not Seattle place that deals with this. Like, is there a Houston set of D'Artigo sisters? Is there, of course, there's an Atlanta one. That's like you know, place number two for. There are, so in my book, it is Roman goes to deal with a vampire issue in Europe. I don't, I can't remember where in Europe, 
but Transylvania, it's, it is it. not related to yeah, the obviously. whole shadowing corruption or any of that. It's just like a completely separate, this vampire is being a dingus and Roman has to go put him down. Wow. So, <laughs> so I, I don't think that it's really spilling into other parts of the world. There are just some moments when, like, certain cities really take on the lifeblood of a generation, you know, like London and the Industrial Revolution, or New York during the 1920s, and Seattle during the decade in which this book takes place. <clears throat> because it, it did some shifting over the years. Yeah. <laughs> From flip phones to smartphones. Anyway, uh, so the spirit seals underwater, they... It's pretty funny that they have to do some, like, chores and errands to find out how to breathe underwater. So Yasmin Galnorn thought it'd be cool to have the spirit seal, like, underwater and then stops typing and kind of went, like, shit. Oh, damn it. None of my people can breathe water. Uh, except for Manali can breathe water because she doesn't breathe. So she can go underneath with them. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Shade, who is a bone dragon, uh, can go underwater just fine uh, because he also, when he's in bone dragon mode, is dead and does not breathe. You heard it. Only when that mode is activated is he dead. And then there's Shimmer, who is a blue dragon shifter. Have any of you met Shimmer, or did she just get introduced? I have never met Shimmer. I have never met Shimmer. All right. We're introducing... <laughs> Even in the third to last book, we are still introducing brand new characters. Oh, there's there's several of them, of which I forgot because they quickly go by the way. They get, like, a water-breathing charm from this magic shop owner. Remember when Cammy used to own a bookstore? <laughs> So, oh, shit, yeah, and Delilah used to be a private investigator. Yeah, uh, yeah that's done. That's so, uh, there's like a magic shop owner who is tied to the water in some way, and she prepares them a uh, water breathing spell, and for each water breathing spell, they must provide a perfect pearl. And so Delilah, or, uh, Cammie goes in with her perfect pearls and hands them over, and the magic shop owner's like, these are nicer than I was expecting, so here's a little bit of bonus. And it was basically just like an undersea, it's like a conch shell that works as a big underwater flashlight. So she's fair dealing. No capitalism in Seattle. Uh, so they get the, oh, Shimmer, I was supposed to talk about. Shimmer's a brand new character, apparently, so this is how she's introduced. Shimmer was a blue dragon shifter. A water dragon, she had been sent Earthside as a punishment for some minor crime. She was soil-bound, <laughs> meaning she couldn't return to the Dragon Reaches without permission, but she was okay by us. We had helped her employer, Alex, a vampire who owned the Fly-By-Night Investigation Agency, rescue her when she had been charmed by one of his, one of his enemies. I, I feel like that is just peak Otherworld. Like, in yeah. the third to last book, we drop, we drop in a character, we give her this fairly elaborate paragraph of backstory, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's not, she's not mentioned in my book. Yeah. Michelle, is she mentioned in yours? No. Yeah. All right, so for some minor crime, maybe she's mentioned in one of the, like, uh, you know, expansion packs. <laughs> The, it's not often that a, a the extended universe. Yeah, a, an author authorizes their own or writes their own extended universe. But if there is anyone to do it, it'd be Yasmin. She she has too much stuff for only one universe. Um, they get it. There's like a battle, and they have to wear wetsuits, which with Cammy's uh, proportions, I'm sure was very uncomfortable. She makes mentions of it several times, 
about having trouble squeezing into a wetsuit. Oh, no. Uh, and how uncomfortable it all is. She gets blown out the side of the the old wrecked ship uh, and is, like, covered in bruises and everything, which I will say is not a major plot point, but is not just forgotten. Like, she wakes up sore for the rest of the book, basically, and is, like, always kind of bruised. Uh, so they get the last spirit seal. They have all seven, which apparently... In a previous one of your books that I've forgotten about, they managed to go steal the ones that they had lost because there were several books where they lost spirit seals uh, and now they have all seven of them back. So the two queens, the queen of the day and queen of the night, arrive along with the Merlin to remind Cammy, hey, by the way, you're going to be the queen of the twilight, which is in like a couple days, uh, and you're destined to lead the Karastar Knights. So she's got big things coming down the track. Uh, as Aval, Queen of the uh, Night or Day, I can never remember. I think Aval is the day and Titania is the night. I don't know. I just know she's Maybe? in Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Van Zier got Aval pregnant? Yeah. When? Yeah. Uh, I think that actually happened in my last book. Wow. She's... It was, it was actually foreshadowed in my last book. What did they like connect eyes over coffee or something? Like she's really no, they were it. like making out. Oh, she was touching his butt. It was very Tina Belcher. I will have an update about them at the end of my book. Good. I'm glad that they that is not just dropped. Uh, so that was surprising to me that Vanzier got the Fae Queen of something pregnant. Uh, I I am interested in that Camille is becoming a queen that is more or less on the same level as those two, and she's still like curtsying and subservient and basically letting them boss her around. I think it would be like, hey, I'm gonna be a queen, screw you guys, but whatever. <laughs> so she's still adjusting. There's been a lot of big changes in the last five years for Cammy. No she's kidding. still getting used to the idea of being queen. I do think they mentioned that this book or series took place over three or four years. I think. So, in my book, they're talking about it being over the last four. Yeah, I think that was yeah. what I got as well. Because I'm willing to bet our books are closer together than, than most of the other triplets have been. Uh, because things are, are really coming together, even in mine. Uh, so, she has all the spirit seals. They send them places. Uh, but, in order to become the queen of the Karastar Knights, Camille has to go get the Karastar Diamond, which is somewhere in Otherworld. And they have a general idea of where it is, but no specific place. So they need to find a scroll to match the scroll that they already have, as well as the location of the character. So it's just a, a point on a map. Go there, get this thing, uh, which they, they do. They bring the usual coterie, uh, Camille, Delilah. I don't think Manali can go because it's during the day. Uh, they bring Smokey and Shade Trillian can't come. I think Morio is there. Bran, the the two queens. They also bring Venus the Moon Child. Uh, he is a Karastar Knight Puma Shifter. So Venus yes. the Moon Child is a character that I know has been referenced in many of these books. I cannot for the life of me remember who he is. He's a Delilah character. He's a he's in like the the first or second Delilah book is okay. where he shows up. Um, they're like fighting spider shifters i think because oh, i remember yeah. being mad about that book because you guys gave me the book with the spiders <laughs> yeah yeah um forgot sorry to, smoky will not be there smoky had to go to the dragon reaches because he is getting on the council of elders uh which he did not tell cammy until his mom shows up along with the two queens and the merlin and it's a big old full house of stuff 
Um, and she like dresses him down for not telling her. So he's getting yelled at by his mom. He's a dragon getting yelled at by his mom, uh, which I thought was quite fun. Shortly before leaving, they're just like outside and they just find a litter of kittens. <gasps> and so there's two calicos, one white, and one black. And I don't know if this is supposed to have some uh, metaphorical importance, but the, the there's four, you know, kittens. Uh, the mother has been killed by a raccoon, apparently, so they're going to take in these kittens, which they used to not be able to do because Delilah is getting, is too territorial. But, since Cammie will be moving away from the big Victorian house and into the Sovereign Fae Nation place, she will be able to take these kittens with her. And it is pretty, uh, nice that that's happening, but also pretty scary that they're like, you have to keep them locked up because the gargoyle that we keep in our house will eat them. Oh, Maggie! <laughs> Yeah, so Maggie the Gargoyle will eat the kittens if they get out. They don't in my book, so that's good. I just think that uh, Yasmin Gallinorn has a policy that she has to add something every chapter. Uh, <laughs> so they they go to Otherworld. Shenanigans ensue on their way to this cave. They find a cave which is, in true Griffin McElroy fashion, uh, an extra-dimensional library uh, where it yeah. turns out that all the magic stuff was kind of sort of aliens all along. Like, this is a universal library. This is not just Earth, Fae, and subterranean realms. This is, like, the universe's library. Um, which Here. brings to mind, is Earth, or is Otherworld, like, a planet? Are there other planets in the Otherworld dimension? Or do they have the same other planets as it? They have the same moon. Oh. Hmm. So, yeah. So, oh. That brings about some interesting... Yeah, did they like, thought processes here? Did they magically land on the moon in like 1969 too? Nice. Um, so anyway, they they find this magic scroll. I forgot to mention they they go to some like martial arts monastery, and it's another example of needing to it like continue raising the stakes. Where basically every enemy they've ever faced is the most dangerous enemy that's ever been. So like. By this time, it's a bunch of mostly humans that are training in a monastery, which could have killed Smokey. It's like, what? No, he's a dragon, though. <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. They uh, probably couldn't have. He'd probably have been fine. And so they basically go and have dinner, and by not being assholes, receive the support of the monastery. And it's kind of like, that was an, an unnecessarily long diversion to this monastery, that didn't need to be there, but it was it was just a bunch of monks that had crystal daggers and stuff. Then they go and they go to a cave with the two scrolls. There's a hallucination of a uh, fey queen that Cammy talks to and is shown the fake diamond, but somehow sniffs it out. And this proves that she deserves the real Karastar diamond or something. And she drapes <laughs> it over her body and gets a vision. Uh, I can't remember what it is and becomes the Karastar queen pledges chase johnson the detective who they brought on this trip despite his uh fbh nature as the leader of the karastar knights uh so the somewhat elf in the blood but mostly full full-blooded human man will be cammy's like right hand man for the karastar knights i have enjoyed the character progression of chase because yeah. listening back <laughs> To the first couple episodes, he's apparently like a lecherous dude who keeps trying to look down Cammy's shirt and everything. And by now, that she like trusts him with their life and everything. So it's pretty interesting. It's good character development, Yasmin. Yeah. Man. So Chase is on the case of being a Karastar Knight. 
Uh, then Cammy basically passes out and gets carried back home so that we don't have to watch them coming home. Uh, <laughs> then it time skips a little bit for her to take her crown and she has to go through a, uh, ordeal. What's that? Like not a trial, an initiation, a rite. That's what I'm looking for. She has to go through a rite. Uh, this one, the very first rite of Cammy's that did not involve her boning down in nature in public. I'm actually kind of surprised. I feel like in the last of the mostly last of the Cammy books, they would have had to have some sort of sex rite. Yeah, in no in no scene in this did she have sex with all of her husbands at once. Oh, I know. I'm happy for no you. No oomphs, just just an oomph, and then yeah. Um, instead she gets wings. Wings. I did know that. Yeah, uh, all fake queens have wings and they hide them, uh, but Cammy gets her wings and immediately shows Delilah. <laughs> so she has wings. I don't know if she can fly with them or if they're just like magical, you know, look at my wings. I don't know if they're peacock feather wings or if they're functional wings, but. In my book, Cammy has to be kind of careful with her w- wings around Delilah because Delilah tries to, like, paw at them. <laughs> um, Delilah. A lot of the emotional narration is on Cammy's like, worries and fears of taking on this huge responsibility and being, like, a piece of actual factual royalty, but also being sad that she won't be living with everyone anymore. Like, everyone is going their separate ways from the house. Delilah's the only sister staying in the house. Uh, so she she's worrying about that. But she takes her crown. She'll be living in the Sovereign Fae Nation. Uh, she has her, like, big throne. And at the end of the book, it's implied that she will begin, like, hearing audiences very, very soon. Though I'm not really sure what those audiences would be since she doesn't have, like, you know, a, a, a realm. She doesn't yeah, she doesn't a... really have a, a kingdom. Yeah. What's the... In feudalism, there's a specific term for that. Uh, whatever. Good, good times. So anyway, at the end of the book, she is the <laughs> queen of twilight. She has wings. She is the leader of the Karastar knights. And it is, it is implied. I think, uh, I took it to mean that the battle between them and shadow wing would be happening in Michelle's book. Michelle, was I right? No. Shit. All right. Sorry. You got well, the train. What happens to my book? No. Delilah gets married. Yeah. Yeah, she does. That's literally most of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Which most is funny enduring... because I feel like all of the other weddings have been crammed into like half of a chapter. Like Manali and Nerissa got married in a couple pages. Um, Manali and Roman and Nerissa also got married in like the very end of a chapter. You guys want to talk about uh, sped through weddings? I had to read about three of them. <laughs> Four. Yeah, Sorry. You get Four to read very quick weddings and very long sex scenes in the Camille books. Hey, that's the way I like it. <laughs> Not really. It was actually pretty gross. So, Michelle, tell us about the wedding. Tell us about Har- Harvest Song? Harvest Song. So, I read Harvest Song. Um, as usual, the center book in the triplet is Delilah. The, um, she's a... She's a two-faced wear and which means that she turns into both a tabby cat and a puma. And then she's also a death maiden, which means she works for the Autumn Lord. And she's also going to have the Autumn Lord's baby at some point. Um, I have an update book, about that at the end of mine, too. Great. So <laughs> the beginning of this book, um, the Autumn Lord tells Delilah how that's going to happen, which is that they have to, basically, she has to marry Shade and then they will have a different rite where 
um, Shade gets Delilah pregnant, basically, which I feel like is a very Camille situation and does not belong in Delilah. I know that because Delilah, like Um, Delilah, is the only one that just has the one guy. Yeah. 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 She's the only one with just the one guy. Um, but also, technically, she'll still only have the one guy because basically the Autumn Lord will become Shade. It's very confusing. I don't really understand what's going on. Um, so the beginning of this book, though, is Delilah shopping for her wedding dress. Um, wow, and that is... having a very bad time at a oh. wedding dress shop. She really procrastinated that. But they're not listening. Yeah, she did. <laughs> They're not listening to her at all. They're like, they, she keeps being like, don't bring me poofy dresses. And they're like, here's seven poofy dresses. And she's like, what did they say? Oh, poor Delilah. <laughs> Camille is like, we're leaving in a huff. And then they leave in a huff, which is, <laughs> you know, which is what you should do for your Did sister. they go wedding dress um, shopping at night so that Manali can come? No, they did not because oh. they were also doing a bunch of other stuff. But also, I'm pretty sure Manali was involved in a different activity that was happening at the same time, which I will explain momentarily. Okay. So they bachelorette. They buy the, of course, Delilah is able to buy a shop uh, to buy a dress from a thrift shop off the mannequin in the front, and it fits her perfectly because this is a novel. You know how most <laughs> um, wedding dresses are made for a six foot one like Amazon. Yeah, mm-hmm. well-known fact. Um, <laughs> uh, but so she grabs this this dress. Camille is immediately like, "This is I will be wearing my robes, but this is what your other uh, bridesmaids will be wearing." And it, you know, it's like, "Okay, this is fine." Um, and then they go home, and Delilah keeps being like, "I had this sudden premonition of danger. Something was waiting for me." The whole like, the whole drive home, and it's like getting stronger and stronger as they get to the house, and then it turns out she's having a surprise bridal shower. Yay! Um, ah, gross. Which I think is what Manali was doing while Camille and Delilah were shopping. Um, but uh, the bridal shower happens. Uh, speaking of introducing characters to no real effect, um, <laughs> Shade's mom is there, so she gets to meet her mother-in-law. The Bone Dragon or the um, Shadow Walker? Which I love one is that mom? she gets the, to. Oh, go ahead. The Bone Dragon. Okay. Wow. I love that she gets to meet her mother-in-law at her bridal shower. Very like, comfortable. Yeah. Maybe this should have been a thing that happened earlier? Yeah. Um, to be to be fair to Shade, he was like, I did not, like, immediately is like, I did not know she would be here. <laughs> if his mother is full bone dragon, you heard me, is she a skeleton yes. person? No. Oh. She's just a normal person. I would have loved that. That would have been great. Yeah, it really would have been pretty nice. Um, so they go to bed and then later that night, um, a bunch of fire demons attack the house. Oh no! Um, and Shade gets stabbed by, uh, Shade gets stabbed. They fight off all of the fire drag, all all of the fire demons, but not before the kitchen and back porch are mostly destroyed. No! Um, which is a big piece of the, piece of the book. Um, Shade was stabbed by some, by... A thing they keep calling a soul stealer blade. Has anyone heard of this before? Never. That has never been a thing. (laughs) That checks out. Um, So Shade is attacked and stabbed by by a person they they determine through some research is Jurgen the Blade. Ah, yes. That might have gotten brought up in mine. Uh, Sorry, there was just a whole lot of stuff coming at me all at once with Care Star Knights and whatnot. I forgot. So Jurgen the oh, Blade no, is fine. like an assassin. I've, so I've never heard of Jurgen the Blade, so mm. he must Jürgen, 
Irgun the Blade uh, has been resurrected slash hired. It's unclear by Shadow Wing. I don't really know what's happening with the subterranean realms generally. Um, it's very confusing to me um, and not super clear. After So Shade is stabbed by this blade and it makes him real, real sick. Uh, and he's basically like in a coma and they find out that it's because his soul has been separated from his body. <gasps> no! um, so he, they get brought... So there's a comp, there's this weird feeling of like, I mean, and I think, I guess this is like pretty true to what happens if you have a person who is pretty grievously harmed, which is like, there's this combination of urgency and like waiting in this book that is, is kind of confusing in the middle, um, which is not helped by the fact that they keep moving shade around. So first they're like, we have to, we have to stabilize them. And then it's like, oh, we got to get him to the hospital. And he's at the hospital for a little while. And they're like, oh, we're going to bring him to Camille's place and it's like why are we moving him around so much yeah let's not move the injured person this sounds to me like noted blockbuster hit soul taker starring joe estevez uh, a mystery science theater movie and also are you saying that this was a bad time to read this book mixing anxiety and boredom (laughs) oh no Um, uh it maybe wasn't the best time to read a book mixing anxiety and boredom uh but so um once they realize uh once they realize that he's been stabbed with the soul stealer blade um at one point delilah goes to the the like death land that she goes to which i can't remember the name of haseophon i think is its name Um, so she goes there to talk to the autumn lord and he explains that shade because he was stabbed by this soul stealer blade is now in the land of wandering souls which you would think would be a place that the autumn lord the king of death would be able to help out with but no he's not allowed there i don't understand why i don't understand the responsibility structure here it doesn't seem like anyone's in charge of the land of wandering souls i'm very confused it's fine can delilah go there as a Um, death maiden so Delilah can go there for some reason. No one else can. But just if she's Delilah. A, if she's um, a death maiden because she's a consort to the Autumn Lord, why can't the Autumn Lord go there? That's a great question, Susan. Listen, this this has its roots in Germanic mythology with the Valkyries uh, and the the Valhalla, which is not Germanic. Uh, but maybe it's also Greek where, you know, like Hades was king of the underworld, but nah, some lady just made it up, man. Hades was king of the underworld, but not necessarily the king of death. Maybe the autumn Lord Mm. is like the the God of death, but not the God of the underworld. So anyway, the wandering souls business. Anyway, um, good supportive environment here, everybody. Hachi machi. So they've got to go to the land of wandering souls. Um, uh, Manali can't come because she's a vampire and the sun is a thing. Um, apparently, still in the land of wandering souls. I was going to say, I, I imagined fog. Yeah. No. Uh, no. Um, she also, uh, Camille can't come because Aval and Titania will be real mad um, if Camille comes. And also, that would be irresponsible. Yeah, she's like um, a queen. So Camille- yeah. Yeah, she's queen. She can't go. Um, so Camille's like, well, I wish I could come, but, and then Trillian immediately volunteers. Um, Aww. and then also Rosario volunteers, and then also Nerissa volunteers. <gasps> Nerissa's in the so crew. I feel yeah, like, Nerissa's I feel like the crew. this is a group of people who normally don't do things by themselves. Like, you don't 
often see Delilah going on missions without her sisters. Right. I don't think I've ever seen Narissa do a thing, like, go on a scary beating up people thing without Manali. Uh, yeah, right. Trillian doesn't often get the the star, which is weird because he's the alpha, but he's almost always, like, gone or can't go for some reason. So I'm, I'm excited to see him get his time on the stage. Yeah. This fictional um, character. Um, they... They did, uh, so they get, they go to the land of wandering souls. They have like a couple of fights against various baddies. Everyone shows themselves as being very, like, Trillian's a really good fighter. Nerissa is a strong fighter. Um, Roz is a, Roz manages to sneak a bunch of grenades in, even though they told him he couldn't. Um, and then they, then all of a sudden, Shade just wanders out of the forest. Um, so they do a certain amount, they do a bunch of searching and stuff, but then, like, Shade just walks out of the forest, but he can't remember any of them. Oh, no. Um, and this he's, like, that like Williams he's, movie. he's terrified, he thinks, he thinks that they are trying to trick him. Um, the idea is that this land of wandering souls is, like, full of your darkest fears, and so the more you think about your fears, the, the more they, like, come after you, so the idea, I guess, would be that Shade has been kind of being chased by his darkest fears for a while, and has kind of, like, gone a little gone a little over the edge. Um, and then Delilah manages c- to convince him that it's her by turning into a tabby cat and, like, jumping on his chest, which is very cute. Oh, that is very cute. Also, I feel yeah. like Delilah often gets in trouble for turning into her tabby cat, so I like that her tabby cat saved the day. Yeah, me too. I kind of, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I was very worried that Shane was going to not be real and that it was going to be a trick, but then it wasn't, which surprised me because there was more <laughs> book left. Shane. <laughs> Shade has had a rough go of it. In the last Delilah book, I think he had his like secondary powers taken away. He's no longer a shadow walker, and now he sorta of died and went yeah, to purgatory. So yeah. And then it gets worse because Uh-oh. um they they like say the magic words to get them home that they have to say because the um the autumn lord was able to like extract them when they needed to be extracted. So they had these little charms and they would say like they, they had to say a certain phrase to get home. So they do that. And uh, and Delilah, like, wakes up in the Fey building where Camille lives, wherever that is, and, like, sees everyone else wake up and then immediately gets sucked back into the land of the Wandering Soul. Oh, shit! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Shade, like, sees this happen and is, like, distraught over it for obvious reasons. Um, and now Delilah's alone, so she, and she has to encounter a bunch of her worst fears, which are basically that her mom died because she hated her, and also that her sister Ariel hates her, and also, who is, by the way, an undead, uh, semi-undead spirit who lives in Haseophon. Um, and then also she's afraid that Camille hates her, and so it's this whole, like, there's just a lot of, like, encountering your deep dark fears about the way that your family feel really feels about you in their heart of hearts um while also being next to a river <laughs> and Camille Ver- shows up huh i said very very oddly the river is named the river kansas two prog rock <laughs> bands i don't understand it but like oh, if you guys were in the shadowlands what would you see as your deepest what would confront you D style the whatever the question, man. personification is of being alone forever. Woof! Now I'm really sorry I asked this question. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why. I thought we were trying to be funny. I was gonna say a vampire, but like whatever. <laughs> 
those were spiders from the first Delilah book. Yeah, I mean, you know, not far off. <laughs> I, I mine would just uh, but be, so mine would just the, be a man. The nice and thing about about this situation, though, is that after Delilah has been sort of confronting this idea that she has in her head of, like, my mom left my family because she hated me in particular, and my, my sisters all don't like me, and all this kind of, and, like, Camille has, I've been a burden to Camille my whole life. Um, who shows up but actual Camille, who basically said, fuck you to Titania and Aval and went to go get her sister. Oh, I like that. Did she turn into a tiny nice. cat? How did she prove that she was the real Cammy? Did she turn into a tabby cat as well? <laughs> they, it was. I actually didn't like this, this at all. Um, there was a, there was this thing where Delilah like realized that her fear of water was because she was attacked near a river when she was a kid, um, and it doesn't have anything to do with her being a cat. Where I it's always just thought because what. Well, yeah, I mean that's what she's always thought too. And then she was like, oh, it turns out I was attacked by something when I was a child and I had totally forgotten it and then she asked Camille if Camille remembered that event because it was like a family camping trip and Camille was like no I don't and Delilah was like I know you must be real then because I had also forgotten it and I was like yeah but she's older than you and <laughs> yeah I don't know if that logic really tracks yeah I'm sitting here no it doesn't it I didn't like that part um but I did like that Camille came to save the day um, so basically your plot was a marriage and a therapy session yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, they do also have to, um, they have, well, after after they get out of the Land of Wandering Souls, um, they go to kill Jurgen the Blade because they find out that Jurgen the Blade essentially has been given, the sh- Shadowing has said, I will free you from your eternal bonds if you kill the Dardigo sisters. <gasps> oh, no. So nice. they have to go kill him first, obviously. <laughs> um, it's very important. I will say, uh, spoiler so alert, have... the Dardigo sisters do not die. <laughs> yeah, no, spoiler alert, they don't die. Bummer there's another book. Um, there's a really great, um, there's a really great moment where, where they're talking about where he might be, um, and they decide that he's probably in this, in like, in like the docks area where they've, they've gone before, kind of like a big industrial warehousey area. And Vanzir has this logic, which is, think about it. There are a lot of abandoned buildings down there and several magical bars and dives, just the kind of scum Jurgen would hang out with. And I was like, doesn't Manali Manal- own a bar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a- Where cl- a lot of magical scum hang out. <laughs> it's a classy joint. It's like the, <laughs> the good vampires. <laughs> right. Um, but so they find out where he is, they, uh, they go in and they, they kill him. Um, however, uh, Tritian, Tritian? Yeah. Yes. Who the is The daemon. Yeah. The he gets daemon. killed by Jurgen the Blade. Oh no, question mark? I mean, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. the one that's kind of keeping shit together and, like, battling shadowing in the subterranean Yeah, realms. he was, he was the strategic help on on the actual war front maybe not the uh the detartigo plot so much mm-hmm. i guess right yeah so he gets killed by jurgen the blade and then in response delilah goes full de- death maiden on jurgen the blade and like not only obliterates his soul but also uses jurgen the blade's mind to find the weak point of shadow wing 
which is somehow two diamonds that are in Shadow Wing's horns. Susan will have to see if that plays out. I will indeed. Is this a Zelda game? Are they flashing red after you've hit him three times in the belly? <laughs> kind of. Maybe. A little bit. Do you want to hear what the gems that, are? Or do you want to wait? Let's wait. Okay. Let's wait. Okay. I feel like, um, so at that point is when we switched directly into the wedding, pretty much. Um, <laughs> there's like a little bit of time where they fix the house up. Uh, and then it's the wedding. The wedding happens. It, it doesn't take that many pages. They have the whole thing where there's like speeches and stuff. Um, then they, then they're wedded. And that's kind is of the shade, end of the book. Like, is um, Shade all better by the time they get married? So Shade is all better by the time they get married. The other thing that I forgot to mention is that um, after Shade is in the fight with Jurgen the Blade. Mm. Um, like he fights against him. So he's like healed from, healed by that point. And then after Delilah obliterates the soul of Jurgen the Blade, the Autumn Lord says, like appears to her and says, you are truly worthy to be my consort for a bunch of weird reasons. And then says, kiss shade when you get back. Like they're like in a weird, like a pause screen is what I always think of it as. Delilah's <laughs> 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 been taken out of the action for a sec, but everybody else isn't moving. Um, and, and he like kisses her and then says, kiss shade when you get back. I have a gift for him. And she kisses shade. And then all of a sudden his straddle and powers return. <gasps> So, I don't, I don't understand why maybe Shade has had to go three books without his Stradaland powers for no reason. If the Lord, really, if the Lord of Autumn could have fixed it anyway, but we'll didn't see. really seem to impact him too much. He wasn't like, dang, this door hinge requires that I have Stradaland powers. There was no like Castlevania obstacle that he couldn't get around because of it. Also, yeah. none of us really know what a Stradalan is or what those powers allow him to do, so no. presumably no. he's been okay. Yeah, did either yeah. of them have a bachelor or bachelorette party? Because one of our introductions... No. Oh, one of our introductions to this book, when I read my Delilah book, the one time I did it uh, before this, the triplet format... Uh, was Iris's bachelorette party when Delilah hit a g-string off of a male stripper because it looked like a cat toy? So I was hoping yes. we got. Dang it! Oh well. Yeah. Alas. Alas. Um, the other the, the other comments that I have on this book um are um so first of all Camille did have at least one audience uh, um I don't know what she did she just got real dressed up and then went. <laughs> she about she, right. like, that's 90 percent of what actual aristocrats do <laughs> that's true they just get all dressed up and then go um and then also we we did get we did get one new character which was shade's mom but um but we also got backstories for some of our our good old friends who i feel like maybe we don't we haven't gotten like main book backstories for including Roz. Which kind of makes sense. Yeah, uh, at one point, sort of Delilah there. asked... Huh? He was always just sort of there. Yeah. Um, so so at one point, Delilah asks, when did you start playing The Matrix? I always think of some deranged weapons flasher when you open your coat. <laughs> um, and he explains that it's because he used to work for Dredge. Oh, and no. And started carrying a bunch of... 
Yeah, and he started carrying a bunch of weapons because he was like, he decided to take Dredge out at some point and was like, I won't be able to do it unless I'm a walking armory. <laughs> um, so that's weird. And the habit stuck as it does. You know, once you start to open carry, you never feel good without yeah. it. Yeah. So, and then the other person we got backstory for, I was going to ask you about, Mick, because we got a backstory for Morio <gasps> in my book. He's always been like a, I don't want, I was going to say shady, but that's a character. He's His backstory has always been mired in mists, like, oh yeah, I'm a Japanese fox demon. Who are your parents? Oh, well, that's not really important right now. Uh, like, I can't wait till <laughs> you meet my mother. Oh yeah, who's that? Well, that's not really important right now. So he never really got the uh, the scoop on what Morio's actually about, and I am I am interested to hear it. Well, we didn't get a ton of it, but we did find out that he was that like his his learnings in death magic went up to the point where he like was supposed to basically reanimate someone with somebody else's soul, and then he was like, "I'm not gonna do that, sorry," and then they kicked him out of. You know, basically necromancy school, I guess. Dead <laughs> Hogwarts. So, where everyone's a Slytherin. <laughs> I will say, I so I feel like Roz is in a lot of my books because he and Manali are pretty tight, and I did get some of his backstory several books ago. He used to be just like this normal fae farmer, and he pissed off a demon and was cursed. And so he became a succubus. Oh, right. And his wife was, or an incubus. Which yeah. one's the boy one? Incubus. He became an incubus, and his, his wife was incubus. also cursed so that they could never be together. And I'm bringing that up because it I becomes relevant that. later. So you're saying the demon cursed a man by making him single and giving him sex powers. Yes, but he could never have, like, the one woman that he loved. Uh. There's That's a important for some people. There's Mitch. a lot of borscht belt comedy here. <laughs> the demon really took his wife. Please. So yeah, moon. <laughs> no, no, moon shimmers was mixed. Harvest song. Okay. Any other yeah, thoughts about the sort of last Delilah book? There was no sex. What? Okay. Does it even, does it even count? I'm actually going to use that as a pivot point to <laughs> Blood Bonds because there was also no sex in my book. What? So the <gasps> last two books in the series, not a single sex scene. Jeez. What is... Huh. She must have been hustling those out. I know. I will say, though... I think she was. So this book, for pulling together a 21-book-long series... I'll stay. This book is really well written. Like, that's a lot to work with, wrapping up all those plot points. And she does a really good job of it. And also, you know how some series, and I'm, I'm mostly talking to Michelle here, especially okay. fantasy series, I think, they will wrap up all of the plot lines in the epilogue. So the epilogue is just a list of all of the characters and letting you know what happens to them. Sure. Like the Animal House ending where it freeze frames and tells you how their, their future went? Exactly. I've never seen Animal House. You but yes. would hate yeah. it. Um, so that is, that is the thing that bothers me. I don't like it when books do that. This book did a really nice job because the 
tying up loose ends sort of is scattered throughout the whole book. Um, I, however, am going to give you all of the wrapping up loose ends at the end, just like I explicitly just said that I hate. Um, <laughs> but first, I'm going to tell you about the plot of this book. So this is not a Manali book. What? Manali does not get her own book in this last triplet. The last book mm. is all three of them. We get perspectives every chapter it rotates, so we get Manali's perspective, Delilah's perspective, and then Camille's. That's, I feel that's like Manali got a, it is the way that it had to work, but I do feel like Manali got a little gypped. That she she was not given her due. Yeah. But the book starts with a Manali chapter. She and Narissa are basically Voting. in their new roles as Roman's wives. They have to do a lot of like bureaucratic work. And they both really hate it, but especially Narissa is having a hard time with it. And so she even says, like, I, she specifically says, I love you, Manali, you know that. I love you more than I've ever loved anybody, but if I had known what it would mean for our lives when we married Roman, I would have thought twice. So Manali is really <laughs> worried that Narissa's going to leave her. Can and you divorce a vampire consort? I don't know. You have to get it annulled at the least. <laughs> um... But so... No fang divorce. The next thing that we jump into is we go to Carter's. Remember Carter? No! Carter is a demon without the A. He's just a normal demon. Um, He's the son of a titan or something. He's super rich and he knows a lot of things. Carter... Oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah, you know Carter too, Mick. Um, Carter has figured out what the gems are on Shadowing's face. They, I was expecting a little bit more of a reaction, but okay. <laughs> we didn't read this book. I didn't know there were gems on Shadowing Space. Oh, Michelle um, just told I mean, you. Oh. I made, a, I made a face. You just can't see my oh, face. I thought we knew that there were diamonds. I, she said diamonds, I thought, and so I was picturing diamonds. Yeah, they are They are diamonds, but like we figure out what they are. Like They are diamonds, but they are also soul receptacles. Um, one of them contains his own soul, and the other contains the soul of the demon lord that he replaced, so that he has twice the power. This is apparently how the line of succession goes for demon lords. Someone slays the demon lord, puts all of their power into one diamond, and then their own power into the other diamond and wears them both. So, so does the, the predecessor's diamond contain the predecessor's predecessor's diamond within it? Yes, it contains all of the souls of all of the predecessors. So that's the way more important diamond then. Yes, yeah. but if they can destroy both gems, then they will have totally broken the chain of command in the subterranean realms. And when they do that, Tritian, Tritian. his father, is going to be able to take over without being challenged. His father's name is Joriel, and he becomes very important in the final part of our shadowing plot. Then they go to see Grandmother Coyote, because we can't finish this thing without another trip to Grandmother Coyote. Yeah. Um, grandmother the divine, immortal, all-powerful being who just sort of lives in the woods next to Cammy's <laughs> <Yeah>. house. <laughs> because all things <laughs> conveniently wind up being in Seattle. Grandmother Coyote makes some predictions about our three girls. Um, of Delilah, she sees Delilah giving birth to the daughter of the Autumn Lord. It's going to be a baby girl. Um, this is the only child Delilah will ever have, which Delilah knew because Shade is sterile. Shade cannot give her babies. Um, but Grandmother Coyote tells her, one does not have to give birth to be a parent. 
Those who will grow up remembering you as their mother will do so out of love, not blood. And Delilah is very pleased with this. That's a good message just in general. Aww. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, she sees that Manali will have to choose between two paths in the road and that her joy and happiness depends on which route she takes. So Narissa then. Basically. She <laughs> yeah, tells, no pressure either. Right? Jeez. I know. Like, you better not F this up, Manali. She tells Camille that in order to win this battle, she must reinforce the weakest link. And Camille understands this to mean herself. She says, I am the weakest link. I am the one Goodbye. with the most to lose. Oh, she's also the weakest link because she's bad at magic. Throughout the entire book series, even in her last book, Camille has, has yeah. been like, I'm not really good at that whole witch thing. Which is like, then why did they make you priestess and queen? <laughs> what? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Whatever. Um, She's hot, so you know hot people get promoted all the time. For sure. That's why I'm so powerful. Can I ask you guys a question? Yes. Has Trillian always been black? Yes, Ebony. I've I've taken him to be, like, not even, like, human black, but, like, slate, like, rock black. I I just, I don't get much Trillian in my book, so I I never really know that before. I know Trillian. Biblically. I know know you do. (laughs) Um, do you guys remember Wilbur? Wilbur is their neighbor. He's a necromancer. Yes. He carries his, around his brother, Martin. Just just so you know, Susan might already know this because he read some Delilah books and presumably Delilah's around in this book, but Martin's actual spirit is also following Wilbur around. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. from the body that Wilbur has reanimated to represent Martin. Don't worry, we'll wrap up that loose end in a minute here. Great. Um, I would just like to point out that Wilbur has pet names for all three girls. He calls Manali, Dead Girl. Camille Busty, Delilah Blondie, and Narissa Putty Tap. And I think that's horrible. That's very bad. <laughs> also, couldn't Delilah be Putty Tap? She's a cat. Yes. No, but she's Blondie. Um, oh. So here is the plan. We, ha- we are formulating a plan. We are going to take down Shadow Wing, and here is how we're going to do it. Did they get put down on a steno, like, legal pad? Yes. <laughs> um, nice. They had a big meeting around the kitchen table at what is now Delilah's house because, as was mentioned previously, everyone else has moved out. Narissa and Manali live in a castle with Roman, and Camille lives in her the situation. F- Tom Rack Law Oil or something. Um. So here's the plan. Seamus, if we remember Seamus, and he's Wilbur, he's apparently not. Seamus was the no, cousin, right? No, he is dead, but he gets resurrected? Yeah, he got resurrected. Camilla resurrected him. When? I have no idea. In my book, he's dead. Before my book. So in the middle. Fantastic. Seamus and Wilbur are going to create a gate to the subterranean realms. Seamus can do it, but he needs Wilbur as the backup to provide him with extra power. Then Jorio, who is Tritian's father, and his army of demons are going to distract Shadowing while Camille and the Karastar Knights get ready to finish him off. Do we have all seven Karastar Knights? We do. Do you know who they are? I could look it up. Chase, Venus the Moonchild, Tannenbaum, I think, is on there. Yeah. It was a bunch of characters that I wasn't super familiar with. Um, The one dude... Seamus is one of them, right? Seamus might be one of them. I can see that. He um, is. He is one of them. Um, the original guy. There's Tom two Lynn. siblings. Tamlin died. Yeah. There's two siblings. Oh, I don't know. A brother sister pair. 
Anyway, um, it's going to take the Karastar Knights and Camille like 10 to 15 minutes to like get their powers going enough to attack Shadowling. So that's why they need tr tr uh, Joriel's army to basically keep Shadowing busy. And that's what the rest of the crew is going to be doing too. Like keep him busy until Camille and the Karastar Knights can finish him off. Um, this is all going to happen in Otherworld on the Raven Mother and the Black Unicorn's land, which is called Dark and Weird. Dark and Weird. Yeah. They, in order to get the stuff from my book, they had to go through Dark mm -hmm. and Weird. So this, that's how they do it. They come up with the game plan and then they execute it pretty flawlessly. Um, they, the 20 demons that Joriel brings over, like they know that they are being sacrificed for the greater good and all of them die. So that that doesn't really speak demon to me then. It's demon hmm. with an A. I don't know if that's oh, different. It's not pronounced differently, but we've been saying Damon for Oh, a while. I'm sorry. Damon. Maybe they're maybe they're different. Um, but so they basically are sacrificed. So Shadowing kills all of them. Um, and then there is a battle with not only those folks, but also, like, Smokey and Shade and Manali and Nerissa and all these people fighting Shadowing. What does Shadowing look like? That is what I would like to read aloud to you. Oh, okay, good. Oh, boy. He Huge was, dick. He was massive. 15 feet tall with rust-colored skin and wings that spread out like a bat. He was bald with a troll-like face and horns that spiraled into the air. In one hand, he held a whip, and in the other, he cradled a ball of flame. He was wearing a loincloth that looked to be made of numerous skins, and his eyes were glowing with the light of 10,000 suns. Wow, that is, that is big. Yeah. There, there's a lot going on there, for sure. So the thing that was actually pretty interesting, well, all of it was pretty interesting. It was very, very well written. But, like, the way that the Karastar Knights and the Spirit Seals all work is that they're basically, like, in a circle all chanting. And all of their power sort of links up and flows into Camille. And then she pushes that outward into the two diamonds that contain Shadowing Soul and the souls of his predecessors. She shatters them. They're able to bring him down. So, um, in, in a... Very brief description of a pretty long battle. They have defeated Shadowing. Hooray! Mm. What but, percentage was left on the book? Um, this was probably like seventy-five or eighty percent of the oh, way through. Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't like. But there are some casualties. Uh, Shade is very badly injured. Shade he loses an arm. Gets the worst. Of I'm it. sorry, not Shade. Smokey. Smokey. No, Smokey. that's my guy. This Smokey is unconscionable. Smokey is injured. He loses an arm. Venus and Tannenbaum are also injured, but they're going to be okay. Chase and Seamus both die. Seamus died again? Seamus for the second. So Seamus's situation was very much a Gandalf the White, where, like, he was resurrected for this battle. Like, Cammy brought him back for this moment. He knew he wasn't going to make it through. Hmm. Um, but Chase dies. Oh, Which is very no. sad. Chase is no longer on the case. What are they going to do with... Uh, his kid, his daughter. His so kid. now is where oh. I would like to get into the wrapping up of loose ends. Okay. All of these things happen throughout the whole book, but I felt like for our purposes, it was good to talk about them all at once. So Iris is pregnant again, uh, with twins okay. again. While it runs, it's in the genes. So this will be her second set of twins within two years. So like Irish quadruplets. 
Yeah, which is even makes even more sense because they're gonna move back to Ireland so that uh, <laughs> Bruce's mom can help them with the babies. The Duchess. So they, at the very beginning of this book, so before the battle, they move. And they know that they're saying goodbye to Iris. Not forever, but for a while. I just so. want everyone to know that I've, I've hopefully edited in the song that plays over the Animal House ending credits over mm. this, this summation. Okay. Um, Aaron and Wade. So Aaron is Manali's vampire daughter. Manali, what? Manali turned her. She was a good friend of theirs. She owned a lingerie shop, and then she was attacked by someone um, and turned... She was going to die, and then Manali had to turn her into a vampire. Oh, she, I thought it was just like, it's hard to find a good lingerie shop, yeah. so you gotta keep that person around. <laughs> Aaron is going to go with Wade. Wade is the one who set up Vampires Anonymous. They're gonna travel the U.S. and set up Vampires Anonymous branches across the country. Um, that Wilbur was kind of introduced in my book. Um, Manali was like trying to figure out what she was gonna say to Aaron about wanting to do that. Like Aaron wanted to do it, and Manali was like, "I don't want you to do it because I'm worried." Yeah. Um, and all the sisters were like, "Yeah, but." Yeah. Manali kind of realizes like she can't. She has to let Aaron go do things, and like this is a very good thing for Aaron to do that she will be good at. So they say their goodbyes, they part very amicably. Um, Wilbur realizes that he has been keeping Martin's corpse around, corpse around unnecessarily out of guilt. Um, he agrees to let Manali and Shade put Martin to rest. So they destroy his body with dragon fire um, so that his soul, which has been following. Wilbur around, as was previously mentioned, can finally be at peace. Hooray! Yeah. Um, Hannah, their new maid, yes. housekeeper, um, decides that she will stay with Delilah and Shade and help them keep their house and raise their babies. Baby. Uh, Manali sells, uh, babies. I'll get there in a second. What? Manali sells the Wayfarer to Derek the Badger. Yay. Uh, he doesn't have to work at Jimmy John's. Anymore. Yeah, so he doesn't. He gets to give up the Jimmy John's delivery shift and now is a is a small business owner. Um, then let's see. There's a guy named Frank, who's the president of the Soup Community Council. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. sure. I, I have never, never met him before, but apparently well, he has been a character. Possibly. It did take five years to read this, and I don't think out of everything that Otherworld has to offer, Frank, <laughs> the president of a committee, would stick in your mind. That's true. So, Frank has to go take over as Alpha of his family's pack in New York, so Delilah is going to take over as the president of the Soup Community Council. Very nice for her, but this is another example in non-Seattle uh, soup stuff. That is true. That is true. Um, so remember, so Chase had a baby with Shara, right? Yes. Shara <laughs> takes Ashley. over from Queen Asteria as the queen of the... Lestrial. Yeah. The queen, the queen of a place in Otherworld. She's a, she's an elf queen in Otherworld. And Chase, because he is a human, can't marry her. And their baby can't be her official heir. So after Chase dies, she and a guy named Treneth, who has Nada. apparently been a, ca a character for at least a couple books, um, they get married and they have triplets. Wow. 
we have a lot of babies in these books. Um, Roz, as we mentioned before, uh, he is actually going to be turned back into a fae and reunited with his wife. Aww. He will Yay! no longer be immortal, but he will get to, like, go back to his old life, and he's very excited. Vanzir is accepted as Eoval's official consort, and they have a daughter. Hurrah! What's the daughter's name? I don't know. Manali and Nerissa Carzier. go... Uh, Manali and Arissa go on a goodwill tour of the U.S. and then the U.K. Um, Roman winds up taking a mistress uh, named <laughs> Valentina. And Typical rich guy to have two consorts and yeah. still take a mistress. What is the goodwill tour for? Vampires? Yeah, because they're trying to get the Vampire Rights Act passed in the U.S. And then their tour of the U.S. goes really well and the Vampire Rights Act gets passed. So then they're asked to go to the U.K. That is the least realistic thing and this book includes dragons. <laughs> yeah. I think the least realistic part is that you would send Manali as your ambassador. She got red hair and dreadlocks. That's problematic. Um, she yeah. eventually, several years down the road, does become the vampire queen when Bloodwine blood dies. Point of order. She's already dead. Did she get, like, slaved? She gets staked. Oh, no! Yeah, that's, that's a really weird thing. <laughs> yeah. That's a really it's, weird thing to it's put. It's dropped in very casually, like... And then Bloodwine was staked and Manali became queen. Okay. It was Nerissa that did it. No. By whom? We don't know. It is just such a non-issue. Hey, hey, hey. Here's the weird part, though. Osama bin Laden. <laughs> oh, no. So we get a this, these last pieces, like the Manali and Nerissa's goodwill tour and Manali becoming vampire queen is the, like, several years into the future kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Camille just keeps living life with her three husbands. Um, we don't get a ton of detail about Camille. It's just like she just keeps being queen and having three husbands. Shade and... Was, the entire epilogue was just two words. She fucks. <laughs> yes, she does. Um, and then we hear... The last we hear from is Delilah. Shade and Delilah... Uh, take in Chase's daughter Astrid as their foster daughter. So they do have Aww. babies because they have their own baby, the daughter of the Autumn Lord, on the way. And then they also have Astrid. And they also, if you'll remember, have Maggie. The gargoyle. The gargoyle. Which this is how the book ends. The very end of the book is Series. three, 300 years in the future. Maggie the gargoyle is writing a paper for her school. She's in gargoyle school and she has to write an essay about her childhood. And so she's writing it as a letter to her three moms and about how their home was always filled with love. And even though they were not a conventional family, she knew that she was loved and cared for. And it's 300 years in the future. So we know that they have all lived happily ever after. I love it. So the was this entire book series supposed to be like the Lord of the Rings where it's Samwise telling it the whole time? It was Maggie secretly writing this essay? No, because it like the essay was a very self-contained. It was not it was not posed as the whole thing was written by Maggie the Gargoyle. That would have been very good. Um also, but, but we also end with just, Maggie. Just technically make the parts of the Lord of the Rings are written by Frodo. Parts of it are written by Sam. Some of it is also written by a third translator. So you really have to be like very carefully. Anyway, about. gargoyle <laughs> school. I want to talk more about gargoyle. It's school. in the woods. 
Is this like a humanity has become more evolved? So no, or... no, they just age so slowly that she was a baby for like two hundred years, and now she's like almost a teenager, and so she's she went to gargoyle school in the woods. Yeah, but I mean, like, is it on Earth and like we've advanced? It's in other world. Okay, so gargoyle school presumably already exists. I mean, yeah, it's a great tradition of gargoyles so, everywhere. They so all go to the vampire like, school. She's in like 110th grade? No, she's pretty new to vampire school, I so, think. Well, that's, it's it's the equivalent to human third grade. So yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, 300-year-old Maggie is in vampire school. 300-year-old Maggie? Wasn't she on uh, Downton Abbey? <laughs> Maggie Smith. Um, anyway, it all ends with Maggie the gargoyle. That's very cute. I love it because it is the first book that she was about to eat, be eaten by a harpy and yeah. Camille accidentally saved her. saved her. All right. Yay. Yay. I love these books very much. I have two points, or I have many points to make about looking in retrospect over Otherworld. Okay. I love these books a whole bunch, even though they weren't always great. I would still say my favorite was definitely Bone Magic, not only for the title, but also I think it was legitimately the otherworldiest book. Yeah. It gave us Rodney the Bone Golem. It gave us all sorts of different stuff. What happened to Rodney? Was he in the... Nope, there was no Rodney the Bone Golem in mine. Oh. All right. Um, do we want to talk about past plot points that never got brought up again, or from the fact that they never got brought up again, have we since forgotten about them? I have forgotten them all. I agree. Okay. Um, Aside from Rodney the Bone Golem. Yeah. Who you've already brought up. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any, like... I feel like all of the major stuff got wrapped up pretty well. And even if specific plot points didn't get wrapped up, what I appreciated about the final book was that we got closure with all the characters. There might have been some plot points that wound up getting abandoned over the course of 21 books, which is understandable. Hey, they did better than Game of Thrones. True. Topical. <laughs> um, but, like, all of the characters, even ones that we haven't really seen in a long time, like, it's been a long time since Wade was a character in any of the Manali books. But we, like, we get to know what happened with Wade. Yeah. Like, I yeah. like that. I appreciated that she took the time to give even, like, several sentence wrap-ups for... The characters that even if they weren't major players in the last few books had a, a place in the first few for sure shell any any doesn't have to be final thoughts but any thoughts before i launch into mine um i i generally have less um I think I think I of the three of us like other world perhaps the least, um, <laughs> <laughs> which and I don't know if that's I don't know I don't know exactly why that is. Um, I don't know if it's because I don't I haven't been reading uh, bibliophile books for as much as you guys have. <laughs> yeah, we're broken, so that makes sense. <laughs> we're very broken people. But um, I also have read a lot of fantasy, and so, like, it could just be that, you know, I've, I've seen many of the, not all of these things by any stretch, but many of these things many times. But then also, um, you know, the Goodreads reviewers are not always the biggest fans of Delilah, so I, there's part of me that wonders if, like, Delilah is one of the, it's just a little bit harder to get into. You got the short um, end of the stick. Or yeah. specifically, the very tall end of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but I do, I kind of agree with Mick. I think kind of the beginning parts of Otherworld, like, are a bit stronger. I do feel like maybe, maybe good old Yasmin uh, got a little bit tired of the books and let, and had the series going on for a little bit too long, is what I would say. Um, I would agree. I think yeah. that this series would have, like, if it could have been condensed into... I would say, I was going to say nine, three, three triplets, I think would have been, because there's a lot, like a lot of the side quests and B plots weren't really core to the story. I felt like it took a long time to sort of figure out what the core story was, but I think that it could have been condensed down. Definitely not 21. Um, Let me get this straight. With the paragraphs that we've read in every single episode where, like, a million things happen, you want to condense those <laughs> books even greater? I will say some of the ridiculousness of that did bring me a lot of joy. Yeah, and, Michelle, I think you are 100% spot on that the reason we love these books so much is because we have read so many bad books. <laughs> I will stand by these. I think sometimes we don't give her enough credit. I... I stood up to this in a previous episode that B-movies are not the same thing as bad movies. Mm -hmm. In modern parlance, they often get confused, but, like, a bad movie can have $30 million behind it and still be a bad movie, and a B-movie can be pretty good, but it's still a B-movie. And I think that these are the B-movies of books. I think that we sometimes don't give her all the credit for, like, the narration style is different for every sister. And it's true. Uh, I think that they uh, interact with the world in different ways. I think Delilah's, uh, or I'll start with Cammie's. Cammie's early stuff when she was less confident was a lot more about, like, everyone is very lecherous. Everyone is, like, always sort of uh, flirting with these things. It's always, everything is sexually tinged, not just her magic. Then we get into Delilah, who is the more sensitive, so, like, everyone's very mean. Everyone is being cat, <laughs> catty. But, like, uh, uh, then we get to Manali, who I actually never read a book from Manali, no. but I would assume is, is is a more gothic take on everything as a vampire. She's a lot more cynical. I think she sees the world as a lot darker. Ha! <laughs> Which makes sense. She's dead. So I, I and do, it's literally night. Yeah. yeah. I do think uh, Yasmin Galnorin did a good job in having three distinct voices from her one pen or word processor, uh, if you if if that's okay to say. Um, I will say across the entire series, I have two favorite characters, neither of which are uh, people. Or Rodney like, the Bone Golem. No, oh. I love him very much. He's my favorite person. He's my favorite person. But my two favorite characters, neither of which are people. And I think that they represent the two things that I loved most about Otherworld. They are Chase's nunchucks <laughs> and Smokey's couch. Yeah. <laughs> Chase's nunchucks are my favorite because they're fucking nunchucks. And the cop just occasionally, the human cop just occasionally pulls out nunchucks. And it's just like, yeah, he's got nunchucks. And it just symbolizes all of the insanity, all of the normal to insanity that Otherworld contains. Like a, a, a human being uses nunchucks. And I love it. Smokey's couch is the exact opposite because it involves all of the insane to normal. 
that this dragon who has a barrow who lives in this place, a guy has to spend the night there. And he's like, yeah, just sleep on the couch. <laughs> and the dragon who lives in this barrel has a couch and the presumably an Xbox, as we said in the previous episode. <laughs> and so it represents the two, the yin and the yang of Otherworld very well to me, uh, because I'm the one who came up with the metaphor that it's the like the craziness of Otherworld mixed with the the banality of Otherworld. And I think that that mix really spoke to me in a really great way. I was gonna make it Cammy's steno pad. But I think Smokey's Couch does a better job yeah. of showing the, the crazy, the normalness of crazy, whereas Chase's Nunchuck shows the craziness of normal. My two favorite. I also, Go ahead. I now want to. I, I just, I just want to say that I want one of her little novellas from Otherworld to be about the guys who had to deliver the couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh yikes! Or Smokey playing Call of Duty like yeah. when I find you. Um, my. Two favorite characters are. It is way less well thought out than yours, but they are actual characters. Um, <laughs> the first is Hannah, who just sort of exists amidst all the craziness and just wants to feed people. Team mom, <laughs> team aunt. Iris is team mom. Yeah, and Maggie the gargoyle. Team baby. Yeah, I think I think my favorite my favorite piece in in Otherworld is the house. The house is just yeah. the the crazy center. <laughs> it was, I should definitely was, agree with that. It was legitimately warm. It was. Yeah. And I feel like even the house got a character arc. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, New York is, like, the fifth character. Well, but even, like, it, it sort of, like, went all the way around, too, because in the epilogue, it becomes this, like, bustling place again with, the Astrid and Delilah's baby and Hannah's still there and Did we get a name for Delilah's baby? I don't think you mentioned it. Um, I'll look it up. Alright. Um it has been a journey. We picked this very, very early on in Bibliovile because it was insane, and I think that that uh, estimation and that analysis remains correct. This is a very insane book. Uh, I do have to commend as 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 much as we can be honest, and I think it is true that maybe one or two too many triplets, I would say, I don't think nine would have contained the fun parts uh, as well, but one or too <laughs> many triplets. Uh, but it is good on Yasmin Galenorn to be like, no, I think I think we're good here, because I'm sure that's tough <laughs> to have that sort of yeah. reoccurring thing and to, to just say, like, no, I think that's it. I think we're good. Uh, so throughout these five years, I've really enjoyed... Uh, getting to know an author that is absolutely insane, as well as I feel like I know a lot about Yasmin Galnorn because she really just just puts it there. It is all on the pages. Like, everything you need to know about Yasmin Galnorn, it is, it is right there. Uh, it's true. And on her Twitter page, which is a fun follow, by the way. The baby's <laughs> name, Delilah and the Autumn Lord's baby, is Kamiya, C-H-A-M-I-Y-A. The name meant good harvest in the Fey language. What does Cam Camilla mean then? <laughs> it's a type of tea. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Michelle, we will have to find a different thing to get you on if, if you're okay with that, because I love having hey, you on. <laughs> Thank you for reading these insane books with us over the last oh, absolutely. half of a decade. Yeah. <laughs> it was certainly... A, a rollicking adventure. It, it was. <laughs> it was. 
At, at the very least, you can say that. So we'll have to find something else. But but that is it. We we close the the last you know cover the end yeah. cover on Otherworld here. It's been a it's been a long journey, but we, we made it. So thank you, Yasmin Galanorn. Thank you, Michelle, for coming on so many times. Yeah, of course. Um, the intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. I usually put this first before that, but you can find me on Twitter at Dickie Ma, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. And you can find the podcast's Twitter at Bibliovile, which is B-I-B-L-I-O-V-I-L-E. You can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. And you can find me on Twitter at ICFASNTW. It stands for I Can't Find a Screen Name That Works. Um, <laughs> hopefully next time I'm hypothetically on this podcast, I'll be able to record on my actual computer. Um, and I apologize for the audio. It seemed to work out as far as I know. I'm not listening to it yet. Uh, but I'll have to edit this and it'll be interesting. <laughs> All right. Close, like I want a very good... You know, TV, movie, bad CG, closing of the the end cover. We love each of you very, very much. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, everything like that. Thanks, Yasmin. Thanks, Yasmin. Good night, Yasmin.